Greetings, soul family, and welcome to the Cool Ass Conversations podcast. I'm Big G, one third of the podcast team. We also have Oshawa Nicole and Johnny Holmes II, aka Apostle. We thank you for tuning in as we embark on another cool ass journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. We're back for another episode of Cool Ass Conversations, the podcast. And this is our first official recording after our trip from Africa. We have now returned from Ghana. And this is our newest episode post-Ghana. Yes. So, everybody, do you have the usual cast of characters? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, John and uh, Nicole. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, John, John stayed back and waited on y'all to well, get back. You know, and yeah. so now that y'all back, I'm, I'm I got some questions. Yes, <laughs> so go for it. Let's just jump right in. Right. All right, sure. good, good stuff. So, so first question: When you touch down, tell yeah. me the first thing, and I want to hear this from both of you. The first thing that you noticed that was distinctly different from here. Hmm. Uh, everybody was black. Which I was gonna say the sea, the <laughs> okay. sea of right. black people. <laughs> yes, that you that is unmistakable. It's the best intro you could have because all the staff and the, the security, the ramp agents, the, the ticket takers, testers, the yeah, everybody, everybody right. doing everything is chocolate. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay, and friendly. They happy. They're accommodating. Like. They were helpful. Um, Mm. And I I kept saying, I mentioned this several times throughout the trip. um, And I don't know if people realize it. Okay. Because I'm, I'm always aware of frequency, like even when it, how it translates as far as sound, because, you know, frequency is everything. Frequency turns into visual vibration, audio vibration. Frequency is taste. It's everything. But just audibly, um we speak in certain registers right normally just as you know people of african descent we have our frequency range right that we kind of reside in vocally and for me that was deeply soothing to hear i didn't hear a lot of tinny uh high pitch you know what i'm saying like <laughs> I, I actually don't break that down for me. Everybody well, talks I mean, cool. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but the frequency of our voices particular is within a particular range. Typically, um, it's like when I go when I'm like I work with uh, people from different countries, and the like Indian people from India they speak in very low registers typically. So for some people, like for white Americans, it sounds like mumbling sometimes, but I can hear them well. I can hear everything you're saying because I understand the frequency they're on. You know, this one lady, I'll never forget her name was Donna Lakshmi. And it's, it was all, that was just her first name. So, um, but the way she said it was like, Donna Lakshmi, Donna Lakshmi. You know, she was just speaking in the base, in the, kind of like in the in the bottom of her t- mouth like uh, you know it, uh, you can imagine it's under your tongue <laughs> you know yeah, what I, I mean got like you. I got in you. her throat but it was just and it's not you know she didn't have a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of range to her pitch while she was saying it but she was she was pronouncing all of the letters but the lady was like I don't understand what you're saying I can't understand what you're saying the lady <laughs> was trying to take roll call on this call and after she said it like four times and she finally understood she was like she under she finally discerned the Donna part, but she couldn't figure out the rest. And I was like, Donna Lakshmi, can you please just give her your 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 employee ID so she can look <laughs> you up and see how it's spelled because you're saying everything in your first name, but she's not hearing it. Right. <laughs> you know, because she's not tuned in to the frequency of your voice. Um, so I'm very like aware of that sometimes. And it was for me it can be jarring. Like I, sometimes I'll hear somebody's voice pitch and it's like nails on the chalkboard. You know what I mean? Like you Mm -hmm. just, some people have a real pitch that's out of 
the typical range of what you're used to or comfortable with or you you enjoy hearing. Um, but anyway, I just like to hear us speak because I like to I like our tonality, I like our cadence, I like our our flow when we speak. And again, it's it's like um it's like tuning in the music or something. You know what I'm saying? So I like the range of our voices but um vibrationally and so I was aware of that because it was for me that's also an indication of home like sometimes I have to change my tone when I'm in a different environment Mm -hmm. um and people are operating on a different frequency and and you know what I mean I'm trying not to give too many (laughs) I don't want to call people out but (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you know other folks have different ranges that they typically live in so that's good. So yeah. if you close your eyes, I, I got your visual, uh, the initial visual distinction that you make. Yeah. It, what what was the, if you closed your eyes and you could smell, what was the distinction there as far as the smell? I heard some of the audio. You can elaborate on either one. I don't mind, but I just want to kind of get some more distinction. Um, smell, people. I mean, I, well, I, you would think there was more... Um, olfactory stimulation okay but there really wasn't as much as you might expect just because everything there is so open air people are outside all the time things are circulating you don't really even smell the ocean even though you're right on the ocean Mm. it just smells like fresh air everything you know what i'm saying yeah that's what i was so but i was it wasn't like it was full of food smells you know what i'm saying it wasn't like it wasn't quite that um um, impact uh, significant, I so you, you really wouldn't notice much, you know. And then getting off in the airport, the airport is beautiful. It's nice and it's relatively new. Mm. The design of it was cool. One thing that struck me getting off the airport to go through, um, so getting off the airplane itself, where we had to go through this process because we had to get. COVID tested as we were exiting the plane so it wasn't like we were in a we had to go to another part of the airport this is at the end of the ramp and down the little hallway there's the cubicles for you to the the stalls if you will but everything was glass that was so mm-hmm. cool they had fully they had Florida ceiling glass walled cubicles mm. so it was really visually cool and new <laughs> and modern looking and they had this you know these cute little desks and chairs in each one it was I was like this is so cool like I've never been in an airport that had something like that because um, I had just gone on a cruise in March and we had to do COVID testing before we got on a cruise and it was you know just typical makeshift partitions that you would find in an office or a tent set up or something you know they were you could tell they you know it's probably a um rental company that came in and put the stuff up put these little partitions <laughs> up <laughs> you know what I'm saying right so it wasn't it was so different than what I was used to seeing and I was like this is just super cool like it was it was part of them were frosted glass and the rest of them were transparent it was really cool I, I definitely want to get to the food but before we get to the food <laughs> tell me about the sound does it sound real noisy is it is it loud is it what what is it? Is, is there any comparison? To traffic is traffic. Yeah, like because Tra- right, I'm I'm thinking not a lot of cars. I mean, I'm oh going, no, yeah. uh, 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 Accra uh, no, no. is a big city, a huge yeah. city. That's why when we were um before we even got off the plane, as we were going in for landing, I took pictures out the window, so I was happy it was early morning because we mm-hmm. had you know kind of a clear sky view. It's so much city, (laughs) like as far as you can see. Um, Accra is a major. It's uh, it's densely populated. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people live in, you know, uh, in relatively small geographical areas. Right. There's a lot of people congestion. You know what I mean? So there's people up and down the streets. There are cars on the road. There's traffic there are people going everything is moving yeah it's it's busy it's alive um and there's chickens and goats running around (laughs) in addition (laughs) and they never get hit i never the entire 12 i never saw any (laughs) any roadkill not us you didn't see none on the road off to the side none of that 
and not one car accident. Awesome. No, and I'm but, talking and they about were they didn't even organized have... chaos. I'm talking about the West Side on the worst day. I'm talking about Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> and all it was more that. than that because they didn't have traffic signaling in a lot of places. Man, no signs, no stoplights. It so was just understood. Everybody, yeah, everybody converging in the intersection and working it out. <laughs> With no <laughs> signs and no signals. You know how you know how after a power outage, the rain, the uh the the yep. stoplight, yeah, stop, you know, the light be blinking. Yeah. And so everybody gotta cooperate in order for it to go at like a four-way intersection. Yeah. It was like that. But, but they had was, these circular intersections, huh? But it was, but it was moving. You know how when moving. our when our electricity Absolutely. goes out, folks act like they they don't know which side go first. Exactly. We in gridlock. But see, that's because well, we live in a society where you basically have to have permission to move forward. Yeah, and right. so anyone who's who's um, bogarting permission, <laughs> you yeah. know, somebody somebody who's acting out of turn is always going to kind of interrupt the flow of everything, right? Yeah, and that's when yeah, you right. run into a little grid like person from our neighboring states that come through Chicago that cause right. traffic in the morning. Because right. when you get to the front of it, you'd be like, I knew it. <laughs> right, right. They're moving too slow. They're, they're not fully yeah. engaged. It ain't but for the faint of heart. I can tell you that. You yeah, got to yeah. be a full gangster. <laughs> you driving in a crop. You got to know, hey, I got places to go, and you got places to go. So let's just get this done. Right. I was a Chicago driver, and I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to drive here right now. Oh, wow. like I would need to be. That would take me a minute. <laughs> Somebody from but, there to, to drive there. Yeah, yeah, but we were cheering our driver. He was doing oh, yeah. it, man. He was. He was, no yeah, he was no driving way. like Grand Theft Auto. Like, right? was, so you know how they say you driving like you stole it? Oh, yeah. He dri- he was I was like, if I ever do, if I ever rob a bank, this is who I'm coming to. It's going to be my wheel, man. Christian is our guy, right? <laughs> he was gangster. He could he take was, me anywhere. He yes, was bogarting is. his way. He'd be on that horn like, man. Yeah, like, yeah. He was constantly hugging his sword. I was like, I'm glad to know y'all use y'all horns as much as we do. <laughs> you know how you talk to people through the horn? Like, don't you do it? Like, man, <laughs> he was he was quick on that one. Right. Okay. <laughs> Funny. So, yeah. What side of the street? They, they're Regular on the same side. side of the street and yeah. the same side of the car. I was happy to see that because mm-hmm. as a British okay. colony, a former British colony, I was expecting the opposite. So I was like, oh, I'm this is a relief. Okay. I know I could drive if I needed to be. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, let's get to that food. I saw so many images. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Uh, <laughs> I would look. I was so take, sorry. Take, I was like, hey, 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 y'all, take your time on this part. <laughs> I was like, if y'all snap one more picture let's, of everything, it don't matter what it was. Be like, ooh, ooh. Is that a yeah, napkin? Hold on, let me take a picture. I'd be like, I was taking pictures. I was taking pictures of other people's foods. So I'm like, let me take a picture of your plate. Let me get a picture of your plate. Wait, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. Let me take a picture. I'm like, yo, yo stop. I'm hungry. What are y'all doing? People needed to see our food. They were asking. And then one of my cousins on Facebook who wasn't there, he was like, more food pics, please. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I mean, people oh, taking multiple angles of these. I'm like, y'all are <laughs> And I wasn't doing all of that. And it was too many times where I would have food on my plate and I had already like taken a few bites and I was like, oh, damn it. I got to take a picture. So let me scoop it up in the middle of something, you know. I was doing that. <laughs> but, um, but it was food heaven. The food was amazing. It was all, everything was rich and savory and spicy and uh, just deliciousness. Well, you know what? What I noticed was that it was different. And what I mean by different is the first meal I had within, I would say, probably the first few, I can't even say bites, but you know what I'm saying? Within minutes, I started feeling full. And I was like, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even really eat that much. Wow. But what I started noticing was the reason I think that we overeat so much here is because of the quality of the food that we consume. Mm-hmm. 
and it doesn't because it doesn't nourish our bodies. Yes, continue. We need to consume more. Yeah, and so when you actually are getting food that nourishes your body, your body is like, whoa, okay, all right, we good now. You know, yeah, this is like farm to table food, yard to table food. So it was real clean food, Um, fresh. You know, the fruits, like I was oh. told, the pineapple tastes like candy. The mango oh. is amazing every oh. day. The juices, we could have pineapple yeah. ginger juice at breakfast. Oh, we made eggs. Yeah, the, the, the pineapples alone is like, you know what, the pineapples made the trip worth it. You know, <laughs> like, it was the pineapple. I was, made the I was, <laughs> look, I hey, was we are so, in a tropical environment. <laughs> I was so angry. I was like, I have been lied to my entire life <laughs> when they tried to tell me that swill that they call pineapple. That ain't no real pineapple. You know what I mean? Oh. What they airbrush these things or something? Yeah, I mean, so that was the one thing. It was two things about the pineapple that were distinctive to us. The pineapple was almost white. It was not, it didn't have a yeah, lot of color half the time. Mm. Yeah, it was very pale, but it was super ripe and sweet. And then, you know, and it was not acidic. So you know how you eat a lot of pineapple here and you yep. get your you get that feeling on your tongue. It's yep. like um it's like too strong or too yep. acidic or something. Like that, it's eating your tongue. Yes, yeah. that pineapple did not have that. No. So I'm like, yep. I don't know what they're doing, or if it's some genetic modification they got us jacked up with over here. Mm-hmm. It was it was good. We could eat it all day. And we ate it almost yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> papaya mango I yes. mean, the oranges were green but uh, or yellow as... yeah yellowish they were right yeah. green and yellow yeah 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 <laughs> a green yes. and yellow orange like come on yeah. bro what are we talking yeah. about we only call yeah. them orange because they're orange right exactly right right, right. exactly because <laughs> we didn't know how else to describe that particular color right yes wow what it's what's clear to me is that the way that they dispose of food is a lot of times they return it to the earth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you know, as people might eat something that has a, um, like a people eat sunflower seeds and like a spit them on the ground or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something that has a leftover and they throw it back on the ground. Mm-hmm. Those things return the nutrients to the soil. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Whereas here, all we do is extract. Yeah, there's no. We never give anything back. That's why our soil doesn't have any nutrients in it because we don't complete the cycle. We just well, we don't give nothing back to it. Well, not only that, but we don't we pervert the cycle because in order for uh, large food manufacturers to maintain their corner on the market, they're manufacturing soil soil implements they're manufacturing the they're modifying the actual seeds that they're using to begin with to get them you know greater returns to make greater tomatoes and orange oranges and stuff like that and make them sweeter so and then they can patent that stuff and then say hey you can't grow it or you can only buy your seeds from us it's it's the perversion of that cycle of life that causes the uh the deviation of you know fulfillment really sure a deviation of nutrition and everything else so poison us <laughs> yeah it's it's an over exploitation absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah mm. so it's it's the food is very rich you you you're clear on that you know what i mean yeah. in terms of with spice and seasonings and things like that you know there's a lot of the mainstay of their diet is soups and stews. Mm. And because mm. I'm gonna need some of that peanut stew too, out you. I need Ooh, the recipe. Yes. And I'm gonna they need have, some I'm gonna need that. Yeah. Where can I go get some peanut stew, stew today? Um I, you know, I was looking at some Ghanaian restaurants. There's a, a few places in the Chicago area. But check it out. Um, because it's also Nigerian. I think it, you know, so it's a it's a West Africa. Okay. Dish. I think dish. it may have started in Nigeria. Some now everybody has their version. It's just like jollof rice. Jollof and rice got right. the version. Right. So I also fell in love with the beef stew. Oh my god! Because I'm about to start making that. I'm like, I need to learn how to make this. But I was excited <laughs> because the peanut stew. 
I when I tasted it there, I'm like, okay, so the way I'm making it at home is very much like this. So yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the authenticity with that was like, this is so cool. But what, yeah. what were you gonna say? They had, you know, it was when you, we because we off we often ate. I guess for convenience sake, we often ate uh, buffet style. So. The first three, you know, the first three or four things is like, okay, we got this kind of soup, we got this kind of stew, we got this kind of soup. It'd be two or three soups and stews, and then they'd be uh, rice and and, and or noodle. And, then, and it might be two or three of those and noodles yeah. uh, in some cases. Yeah, like I just think about that one restaurant we went back to like three times. They had several stews, so they they usually mm-hmm. had a peanut stew. They almost always had an ochre stew. They almost had ochre you know, stew. Ochre yeah. soup is off the chain. I like yeah. ochre soup. It was amazing. <laughs> ochre soup. I don't yeah. like ochre stew. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, I like ochre. That, I, that's okay. what it, I like ochre. But yeah, I like it there. <laughs> mm. You know, it was so good. Mm. And um, and then they they do a lot of fish. So yeah. That was a, uh, um, a salt tilapia in some cases. Uh, yeah, there was. We went to this it's one uh, place and they fish. had uh, was it yeah. grouper? Okay, but the way they had their grouper was so off the chain. That was a coconut grove. That was mm-hmm. some of the best group. And I've had grouper here in Florida, and yeah. it was just it was off the chain. Mm-hmm. The way they. The way they relished it with uh like uh shredded vegetables mm-hmm. and like uh they had like a sauce. It was yeah, it was that was coconut grove. Coconut grove food was was amazing top yeah. notch. It was now, really good. Now, now they did was like the Fred Flintstones, but it know, wasn't it was, as bad as the the one we were at in Kamati, but I'm sorry, was, the what cuz the Fred Flintstone, like the bed, the how would oh, you, beds were, the, the way that the you would imagine were, Fred Flintstone's bed to be, yeah. yeah, like a like a sheet over concrete, yeah, that was how I felt. Well, yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> Coconut Grove wasn't as bad as the Golden Tulip, but yeah, it was because uh, we stayed at African hotels, yeah, so. But the grounds were amazing. Yeah, oh absolutely, gosh. absolutely. Like, and the food was so good. So at Coconut Grove, I loved. I got up that one morning we were there, and it's full of coconut trees. And so yeah. at night, the coconuts had fallen off the trees. I don't know if it had rained that night or something. But anyway, I get up, and the grounds keepers are walking around with these wheelbarrows collecting coconuts. They had wheelbarrows full of coconuts that had just fallen off the trees. So, you know, that goes into that some of the stuff you're eating while you're there, drinking while you're there. And then they had a pile of it on the beach that they were selling and it was a sign up there. I'm like, this is so cool. Like everything is just so fresh because there's food everywhere. <laughs> now, wow. I, I will say I will give Coconut Grove this. Um they switched my suite uh, a few different times. We won't even go through that that lineage, but you know what I mean. For a few different reasons, um, but the last place they put the me, uh-huh. huh? I thought you just had the one room change. Okay, no, I, the one room changed because the AC didn't work. Uh-huh. Then they switched me to a second room, uh, which I failed going to that room. But that that's another story. Okay. And I then. <laughs> he wasn't working at the second room so they took me all the way to across the resort to they gave me a room right on the water oh nice and you know that that calm commercial mm-hmm. where it's like you know it's, it's waves crashing oh yes uh, scientifically calming sounds mm-hmm. and stuff yeah that was the way I slept that night that was all I listened to not calm. That was yeah. the actual sea and birds outside. Yeah. I overslept yeah. that day. Yeah. I was knocked out when <laughs> when the guy <laughs> came to my door and not, and I'm like, oh man. I'm like, is it time yeah. to go? He was like, yeah, it's actually a little. I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was knocked out. I'm talking about the best, you know, that sleep yeah. where you oh. like comatose. You like, <laughs> I'm talking yeah. about. They had me, you know, under trance. Yeah, because that was the, it was just the most calm. Like, 
I mean, if you you on you on an ocean, you in an ocean resort, listening to the sounds of the sea and the way. I mean, and the waves sound so peaceful as they crash in and you know what I mean. It was just mm-hmm. off the chain. Now, if somebody could have turned the heat down about five ten degrees, I'd have been perfect. You know what I mean? Just like yeah, you know, it, was, it was a thousand degrees. Every like day. who got the thermostat? Like, like please, somebody just turn it turn the temperature down about. About five degrees, you know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was like insta sweat every time we walked outside, yes. but it was amazing just to be there. Like but, you know, at some point I'm like, we just go up and drill. This is all right. We're gonna be on the bus in a minute. <laughs> my skin, my skin yeah. has never been smoother in the last five, ten years. I promise. Yep. You. Yep. Really. Yeah, what? oh, because it's humidity. I mean, that's because you're keeping your pores clean. You spread exactly. everything out, and then um, you're hydrated. On, you know, you stay hydrated. You just gotta stay hydrated inside as well as out to make sure you're drinking good, enough water, mm-hmm. which was fine. They kept us, you know, supplied up with water and stuff. But, um, but yeah, my hair, my everything was mm-hmm. just, and I exfoliate every day. I was like, I don't even have to do this right you now. You ain't gotta <laughs> do that. Right. I'm not <laughs> I stopped you know. wearing suntan lotion and insect repellent. Right. I was. I didn't. I didn't even need it. In, yeah, I didn't put insect repellent on the whole time, and I had bought insect repellent. It was in everybody's mm-hmm. gift bags. What? And I never I even had to use it. I wore it with that stuff. I, I wore it the, the first. I wore it the first day or two out of paranoia, but yeah. then it was like the bugs ain't really bothering me. You right. know what I mean? And the sun was like, I it ain't bothering me either. Exactly. Mm. It was awesome. Yeah, the only thing it, I really needed was sunscreen. Yeah, and I didn't even I didn't personally I didn't even need that after, you know what I mean, that first day or two. What I realized right. was that Yeah, I, I needed it like after a week. I'm like, okay, now I'm on the verge of burning. Let me <laughs> I have a lot of sun back here. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me what get this you, 100 SPF out. <laughs> right. Oh, no. Now, what you realize is I reached the saturation point. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's like, okay, my melanin was topped off, and it was like, okay, I'm not getting no darker or yeah, whatever, so I'm just going to coast from here. Um, topped off. <laughs> I was fully reactivated because I came in there in full winter paleness. <laughs> So I needed all the sun I could get. So the first few days, I was like, and it was funny because we were leaving, and one lady was like, "Nicole, did you even get a tan?" She was like, "We were wondering you." And then she looked at my arm. She said, "Oh yeah, you got real dark." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "I was getting it." I, I, I turned red first, and then yeah. <laughs> it took me a day, right? And the brown kicks in. <laughs> you know, the red surfaces first. Right. Yeah, that's that. That's that. Uh, was it say that's that copper and that uh, the, uh, was it the magnesium or whatever? That's that flow to the surface first. And then, right. You know, <laughs> but you, what really, you, what, what, about, what class taught us that magnesium and copper <laughs> floats to the surface first? Where did you find that out? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Is that magnesium and copper? Like, what? <laughs> Did you learn that in Ghana, bro, or did you have that before you went? I had that before I went. That was, I figured you, know, you did. Yeah. <laughs> but what you what you notice about the people is it's like you see some of the darkest people, but it's like it's almost like the 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 it's like an enamel. You know what I'm saying? Like their skin has like this natural sheen to it, to where it would look, you. it would look hard. It's almost like their faces are painted. I got you. You know what I mean, like a statue almost. Right. Like you know how it's like a bronzes type statue. Sure, sure. It'll get that dark brown and it had a sheen to it. Yeah, it's right. real smooth. It's baby smooth. You know what I mean. You like like think... they've been finished with a lacquer of some sort. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And you would think it's hard, but it's not. You know what I mean? It's just like the sun is just molded to their faces. You know what I'm saying? And it was just, it was beautiful. It was like, you know, some people you just wanted to, you're like, hey, you felt like uh, other people of national, other nationality, you wanted to touch their skin. Like, I touch your skin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like they want to touch, want to touch our hair. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And 
It was just because it, it's like they don't get burned. They don't, you know what I'm saying? They, re, it's like you, you start to look at them like, my goodness, how did y'all not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Explode. Well, but you know, so I was having a conversation with one of my African friends, and um, it, he said something that was really enlightening to me. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. So because we are descendant of Fulani, they're more, they typically circulate in the northern regions of the continent. So he said they were the ones who um, experienced the first kind of genetic mutation of slightly lighter tones in general, as far as skin tone goes, right? Mm. And, um, and it, you know, because the lightening of the skin is a, a function of the migration north. And so, and I was like, wow. I said, you know, hearing him say that, I never, ever, again, because we live in American society and, and colorism is, is, you know, a thing. Um, I never imagined that the light, you know, the lightness, the lighter tone, I mean, because I don't consider myself light at all, very brown, but the lightness of my tone relative to other people, like people from Sudan are really dark, you know, or can be very dark. Um, it is a function of my Africanness, not a function of my European mix. And I was like, this is awesome to even think about in this way, that mm -hmm. the lightening of my skin is, is, is a mutation of my African heritage not because I have this now my my standing out in the sun for 30 minutes and then getting sunburned that's a function of my European <laughs> that that's a kind of, you know that's kind of the bane of my existence right now but because I people are always especially white people are always surprised I'm like first of all I can't wait to get tan they're like what do you mean you're already tan I'm like no I'm <laughs> I, I have I have like five a five shade range <laughs> right. every year Absolutely. right Absolutely. I'm in my winter color. I have two sets of makeup. I got my winter, my winter shade, <laughs> and then my summer shade, and then, um, and not only that, but how quickly I do burn because I do burn. Like, I mean, peeling red, itchy, everything. I got a heat rash while I was there. I was like, oh, so I gotta just kind of keep it a little chill because as soon as I get any more sun, especially in this area, it's gonna burn. It's gonna gonna be burnt. <laughs> Um, you know, it's not even like a process, but you can kind of feel the threshold. So it's really interesting. But um, and that's something I never had to deal with as a kid. But I think the sun intensity is greater. I don't know if it's a ozone thing or if it's a climate change thing, but the sun is definitely hotter these days. So we were definitely feeling that there. Um, but here's, here's the other thing that I noticed was that the darker clothes like you know how you go out in the sun here and you yeah. wear something black and you instantly regret it right. right that didn't happen over there i saw people yeah, in, in black from head to toe right. and weren't hot you know what i mean like the black almost catch on fire over right. here it wasn't like that right black shoes black shirts black pants. i had black shorts yeah. and i'm like damn i wish i had another color it didn't make a difference right right and i was like hmm and the black the, the the black clothing that I was seeing wasn't all faded and bleached out looking. It was ridiculous. It was wild. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And but I also think it's because their dyes are typically more natural based. Um, like when we went to the Adinkra village, I thought that was just one of the most beautiful things to um, for them to walk us through how they make the dyes that they use. They start with tree bark, and they take it through this process. You know they. Um, they smash it yeah <laughs> and then they they boil it and they get the coloring you know based on the intensity of the heat and the length of heat they get these different shades these different pigments and then once they're done whatever mulch is left they plant that and mushrooms grow and they can eat the mushrooms and or you know and or sell the mushrooms that grow from it and and again that's a really beautiful um uh, example of indigenous culture at work 
mm-hmm. where they don't have waste in their system. They're using the materials that nature provides. Yeah, they use everything. Exactly. And taking it through a full cycle of life to replenish itself. You know, even when we went to the bead place, it was so cool. She was like, yeah, to get the different shapes of the holes and the beads that we use, even though they're recycling glass as one of the raw materials to make the beads, they're using the stems of cassava leaves. And she just went over to a tree and plucked them, plucked two leaves off the, <laughs> two leaf stalks off the tree. And she was like, and this is what we use. And, you know, we would just use these different sizes and create the holes in the beads to get the different shapes. And it just comes directly from the leaves. And I'm like, of course you, of course you just went over to the tree and plucked that off. And, and that becomes part of the process, <laughs> you know, yeah. or you're finding them on the ground because they've already fallen off. So mm-hmm. and the know, glass comes from recycled bottles and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just every, everything has a place, you know what I mean? And a purpose and a repurpose. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, you know, whatever, whatever excesses that, you know, of course, we naturally would have just thrown away. They found a use for us. Like, oh, no, we have landfills full of stuff that can be used for other things. But because we either haven't because some industry can't capitalize on it fast enough or well enough or just has no interest or they get a bigger tax break by not reusing it or recycling it in some way they you know they create all of this waste and it's really unnecessary because that creates toxicity in our environment whereas they are not allowing that stuff to accumulate in the first place in that way which i think is just beautiful Hmm. so i want to talk about the people Talk yeah. to me about the people, the the social setting. How was your interface with those that were there? Did they seem extra warm? You know, what, what was the feeling? Ghanaians are known for being nice and hospitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and largely now, to say Ghanaian, that's the idea of the country of Ghana is bounded by artificial boundaries created by by colonial influence. And Mm -hmm. so they do recognize that um, because it also is comprised of, I think, over 70 different ethnic groups. They don't Mm. call them tribes, but they're ethnic groups. The Asante kingdom is the largest overall group, but within Asante, there are many different ethnic groups within the Asante kingdom, too. You have the the Akon people, you have many different types of people. So many different, I, I won't call them factions, but ethnic groups, ethnic mm-hmm. uh, divisions of the uh, Asante kingdom. So, and most of the Asante are also, I think all of the Asante are matriarchal communities. Mm-hmm. So women have power, women are deeply respected and mm-hmm. revered, which I love. You know, they can't have a king without a queen, and the queen cannot be married to the king. But right now, I think they have a king, and his sister is the queen <laughs> because they have to share power. Come on, because so, you need you need both at the top. Thank you. Come on, because you got to have that balance, right? So it it was just so beautiful to experience as a black female. I I was never objectified, and here. We're only ever objectified, okay? Right. <laughs> um, so that was mm. mind-blowing for me and re- and just deeply moving for me. Um, even to hear our guide talk about, he, you said, I wish, I don't know, Jerry, you can, I don't know if you can uh, uh, imitate it, but it was the coolest thing he was on the bus he was talking about waste beads because you know we had some questions about waste beads and he was talking about how they're used and what they're for and mm-hmm. the fact that many people wear them even men use them sometimes but mm-hmm. um men wear beads around their waist well, yeah, they, yeah. It, a lot of the time well what happens is with uh hey cuz yeah hey <laughs> a- a- big g you ain't got yeah. no you ain't you ain't got no pictures with you and no beads around your belly, do you? No, sir. No, okay. sir. Well, he's about I... to explain the function. They have f- yeah. function and purpose. Gotcha. So. Okay, listen. Uh, well, one, 
the the measuring of the waste is a big function of uh health Growth and development yeah. right you know what i mean and and if you are developing properly if you're properly nourished you know the the beads will measure that because there's something typically that you put on once and don't take off and so it's a gauge as to you know how healthy you are you know right. wow you can... I'll... Yeah. so this thing is then... acts as like a barometer yeah right Exactly. Oh, to see if you're gaining weight, if you're oh, losing weight. It helps yeah. them understand when a baby's growth, when they need a size mm-hmm. change in clothing and things. That is brilliant. They put them on the tr- exactly right, and it's a natural. But this is indigenous culture. I'm telling you, it's. Yeah. And you know, it's I just want to. I just want to at work. <laughs> I want to. I want to magnify. Yeah. I'm so glad at this very moment for this very point that I didn't go. Because I want to magnify our ignorance. <laughs> yeah. I personally want to use me as the example because immediately when you said men wearing ba- beads around waist their, their right. waist beads, mm-hmm. I immediately yeah. went into a corrupted thought. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Something that had to be distorted, goofy, and funny because mm-hmm. of how I've been and conditioned here to right. process and to even consider a bead around I it didn't even dawn on me that this was something that was used for the benefit well and and you also have to realize that a lot of the people the men who uh, were adorned with beads were royalty right and royalty typically wearing to uh, an obsessive degree in terms of the people who make the beads, you know, once they des- decide, okay, this is a royal bead, well, then you can't wear that bead. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, this yeah. is only reserved for royalty. Okay. Like, common folk can't even get this bead. You know what I mean? Um, and that'll be, you know, the, the bracelet, the necklace, the anklet, you know what I mean? Whatever, you know, wherever. You know what I mean? Because it's something a lot of things are visual clues to status and mm-hmm. um, your stature in life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But it means something different, even when because even the word status, I wish we had a different word for it because um, I was going to ask that. They Because again, things are not stratified in an indigenous culture the way they are in a capitalistic culture. Talk. So it, it becomes trivialized. And like I said, you know, right now, lots of people are wearing waist beads. You hear about this a lot in the Black community right now because it's a trend. It's a fad. It's a thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it, it has been for hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> and it's going to continue right. to be in African culture because that's where we got it from. <laughs> you know what, Cuz? But, that, but that's mm-hmm. not what I meant when I said status. I mean... The, the difference I'm saying is being used to um, clarify yeah, it's an royalty. Indicator. Yeah, it's, a, it's an indicator. But, but I also think even here when we use the word status, it's usually a measure of income. Importance. Exactly. Right. It, you, again, it still has some different connotations that it Very would distorted. in their culture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for them, it's, a, it's also an indication of, okay, this person needs to have this kind of respect. Not necessarily mm. they're sitting on top of the food chain. <laughs> right, right. And that's what that was a distinguished. Well, and one of the things one of the things yeah. I really extract from what you're saying is because there it sounds like regardless of the status you held, it was understood universally mm-hmm. that each status had a necessary um, you know, contribution to the whole. Right. Right, right. So there was there was it was uber respect. Right. Uber respect given to you. Like if you had the status of some higher up, it was only to fulfill the function of the higher up. It didn't seem to be to just be worshipped like we do here. Exactly. Exactly. It's not um, it's a seat of power, but it's not necessarily um, for profit only (laughs) or for. Yeah, sure. subjugation so and it's also the lead by example you know it's also their their leaders you know they set the the um it's kind of like the queen she's supposed to be the person who 
uh, who demonstrates the values of that society. It's very, it's, it's, it's a lot like that, the mm. cultural values. So they establish the cultural value. So, um, so yeah, so anyway, but getting back to the, the, the bit of the story I was relaying before we talked about the waste bee specifically was when he was having that discussion with us, at some point he, he just, he got this big smile on his face and I, it was so funny because he just had such a reverential look about him. He was like, African women are so, so very special. <laughs> and I was, I mean, he almost made us cry. <laughs> we was like, oh my God. Like he was really in deep appreciation of the beauty of African women. It was mm. really awesome just to hear oh, him, just man. to see him express that, yes. you know, so lovingly and with care. Um, I missed that one. <laughs> well, well I missed it wasn't, yeah, for you, it wouldn't have right, jumped right. out at you, but but for us, because it was seven women and, and me and G on the right, <laughs> on the yeah. well, that's that's a whole we all podcast, bro. We, 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 we'll talk to, we'll talk to that up later. Hey, <laughs> hey, cuz I left, I left you out there lopsided, bro. Oh, my, oh man. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely got to fix that for next year. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it, was, was it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, you learned that visual cues communicate. You know what I mean with with them, with uh, in within the the tribal culture. You know what I'm saying. The, you mean like when Mama used to look at me and and not say a word? Well, no, no. I mean, that I mean, too. visual cues. I mean, <laughs> the jewelry that they wear, from the clothing that they wear, the patterns on the clothing. You know what I mean? The colors that they choose, the symbols. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All of those communicate something different. You know, they uh, all reflect a- aspects of their culture or their ethnic group too. Uh, yeah, exactly. well, every, every everything tells a story is what I mean. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So just the wearing of like the Adinkra symbols, it tells a story, mm-hmm. not just you know what I mean. The symbol itself. Oh, that's a pretty symbol. That's the symbol for with you know what I mean. Whatever, whatever. But the combination yeah. and how things are put together tells a visual story. Yeah. The the kente cloth, for example. You know what I yeah. mean. The way. Yeah. The patterns that are chosen, the colors that are used, the yeah. way that they're weaved together, you know what I mean? All of these things tell a visual story that doesn't even have to be spoken. They talk, you know, um, extensively about the fact that a lot of our history, because it's it's not necessarily written down anywhere, it's an oral history you know what I mean, based off of remembering knowledge, you know what I mean, and knowledge being passed from father to son, mother to daughter, you know, that type of thing. Um, A lot of that rich culture, you know, other people may not know or may not pick up on. There there are a lot of intricacies that you have to be a part of the culture to, you know what I mean, to, to... Gain the wisdom of so so Um, so so. If I could, because don't lose your thought, I want to that right there. Mm -hmm. Conversation we had about context and how it drives me nuts. How if a painter paints a painting and people come along and tell you what they see, that to me has always been irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It was always significant to hear from the painter, if possible, what they meant. And what you just described, G, is precisely mm-hmm. what I was saying in that conversation. I don't know if it translated, but, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if there is a message being conveyed in the prints, in mm-hmm. the stories, in the in the symbols, mm-hmm. to disregard the message that is being translated, relayed from the original perspective, and just tell me that it doesn't matter, I'm just cons- I'm going to take it into whatever direction I want. 
that was the 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 challenge for me back then. But, but you well, just gave a real life example. So but I'm you also to... have to to understand that yeah. for a person to take it in and take it somewhere else. Yeah, out of the context. other than the original that. context, just means exactly. that it wasn't for them in the first place. Exactly. In, in the context in which it was intended. Now, right. just on the surface level, for it being pretty colors and a nice pattern, if that's the way they took it, then that's all it'll be to them. Exactly. But for a, a person from the Kente village or from the Asante culture to see it as a visual representation and understand and basically un- in- interpret the language that it speaks. You feel what I'm saying? Then it has a deeper significance. But for the people who only see it as surface, it's just surface to them. And that's Agreed. Not, okay. Agreed. You know? And I guess from the question of the social setting, I, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking then and now, mm-hmm. when you guys go there and they're introducing you to the symbols, they're introducing you to the methodologies of how they come about, you know, painting them and all of the, the, the interesting stuff you guys share. Mm-hmm. To me, the greatest, richest takeaway is when you sit with your mouth closed and listen and learn from those who are trying to relate to you what it is that they're offering, right? Rather than yeah. saying, I, I I just think it's a pretty, pretty uh you know, image. And and mm-hmm. to your point, I've always respected the idea that individuals will take it and do with it what they want. But right. that that again just means that those individuals will be for their own choosing robbed of the richest expression through the through the interface in the beginning. Because let that's me, all I was after. So let me let me add an, an additional let me add a little academic uh definition oh, please, here. Please clarify. So there is there is a concept of, and I guess it's like a sociological concept of high context versus low context cultures. So America, I would say is a low context culture, although we might want to think of ourselves as high context, we have to have culture to begin with to be high context. (laughs) But um, I say that a little facetiously, but high context cultures are groups of people who don't use a lot of verbal explicit communication and have strong boundaries that define outsiders to the group. So high context communication um, looks like things that he just described that are conveyed through imagery, through color, through symbolism, through how the textile is even compiled and designed to communicate something that everyone within that group understands inherently and they don't have to explicitly say all the time or express or define everybody gets it because everybody's in on it and then anyone coming in to witness that is having a different experience of it because they really are not a part of the context that high context culture they're just a bystander an observer of it right they're a visitor um to it and so and they would need some sort of low context expression some sort of verbal oral defined um, so low in low context cultures, they tend to be more logical, analytical, action oriented and concerned with individuals. And that's our culture. Um, but in high context cultures like Japanese, Chinese, Arab countries, and I would say probably all African countries, um, they tend to be much, much higher context because they have those rich traditions. High contexts are also very much about consensus, cooperation and tradition. Uh, I'll crystalline it for you. Going to the quote-unquote slave castle slash dungeon, whatever. I call them crime uh, scenes. Being being outside of the the entryway to what was the uh, the sign overhead said was the male slave dungeon. I personally was too moved to even go in. I was just like, I can't. Yeah. But while I was collecting myself, I see a group of three to four uh we'll say non-melanated people right uh gleefully just kind of you know prancing around the place yeah uh one in kente cloth shorts uh all with french braids and kind of giggling to themselves and being so incensed enraged and insulted at just the 
frivolity. <laughs> the frivolity with which they took the current moment and yeah. what it meant. Yeah. Juxtapose that with some Africans who were sitting across. I think one of them was London from London because I could kind of pick up uh, an English accent or whatever. It's like a brother and a sister and like the girlfriend of the brother. And her asking me if I was okay because I was clearly moved. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like she gets it. This whatever over here has not a clue. You know what and I'm saying? We are all in the one. same place. Right. right. We all in the same place, witnessing the same thing, but seeing something completely different. So I was happy to hear that when we asked our guide about it, um, and you know, what do you do when you have a mixed group coming through here? They said, well, they they have to separate the you know black people from the non-black the like the white people i won't even say non-black because you can have brown people with african heritage who are just fine mm-hmm. who understand who can connect to the experience but um they said they because they've had physical altercations they've had fights break out i was like yeah that sounds about right <laughs> and i'm glad to know that you guys will then enlist another guide <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're having two different experiences through here i think the thing that bothered me more than anything um was well two things two details about being in those settings because we went to two different sites um that were used for the same purpose it took about 100 years for them to build these things and the church was at work on the ground dismantling traditional beliefs while they were building them and then in the middle of each one of them is a church that's right above where people were stored so you know, I think that says everything you need to say about our current structure mm. and positioning <laughs> of power in this country. Um, yeah, it was just really interesting, fascinating. It was, those were heavy days. Yeah, I, that that's one part of the trip that I don't wish that you would have uh, been there for, because I know that would have... Uh, <laughs> it would have triggered you, because it, it damn sure triggered it me. It triggered us, yeah. I mean, yeah. it triggers me now just thinking about it. Like, yeah. I just need to not talk to people right now. <laughs> kind of a <Wow>. thing, <laughs> you know. But I, but I have to say, it is, it was very awesome, and um, uh, it was really important for me to be in an environment where I just didn't see white people, and I love. I have friends, that was I have family. That was but, good. To, to live a, a day where you just don't have to see them at all is amazing. It's great. We need more of that. Like, but with, when Africans they come around, they got to tiptoe. Yeah. And Africans talk have... soft. That'd <laughs> be really <Right>. nice. <laughs> yeah, that was fascinating. So I'm going to be honest, guys. Um, I know we're all, we're at the end of this, this podcast session, yeah. but I am absolutely not satisfied with my questions and <laughs> Like I got so like you know come on like y'all went over there for like eleven days and came right back now, all the images so I saw we got so much more to unpack we could yeah. talk for a week and I, you know, I, to I was gonna say can we do a part two of this uh, absolutely maybe? Yes. a part three if we need to absolutely you know what I mean? yeah. I, 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 yeah I was making notes while we yeah. shared we captured some audio and video as well so yeah we haven't yeah, even we really went. covered the fabric making and just the intricacies of the intricacies of you know yeah we didn't even say yeah so it's a bunch of stuff we didn't even get to so yeah Yeah, it's all good so so yeah look we're gonna we're gonna close out maybe today yeah and and then revisit this next week first of all so glad you guys made it back safe i'm so excited about all that i've discovered and i'm learning uh from your trip i can't wait can't wait to hear more no doubt we're excited thank you yeah, and, and slide on me. I think I got a few things for you. Um, oh, I beat, my... I beat through shoutly, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good looking out, bro. <laughs> All, right. Sure. All right. All right, my people. People, peace, and peace out. Yep. Peace out. Wow, we reached the end of another episode of the Cool Ass Conversations podcast. Where does the time go? Well, on behalf of myself, Ashawa Nicole, 
and Johnny Holmes II, a.k.a. Apostle, we'd like to thank you and we appreciate you taking the time out to listen. Please subscribe to the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Instagram at Cool Ass Conversations. So, until the next time, stay cool.